lot of us chosen ones, especially us chosen women, are in our season of Esther, right? And you may have heard this time and time and time again, but one thing about me is when I read the scriptures, I always read from a pretty fair perspective. A perspective that is balanced and unbiased because we serve a God that is truly unbiased. God doesn't exactly play favorites. Um, God plays by loyalty, right? And my loyalty to God is just in the same. It's to be fair, it's to be righteous. So for the last couple of nights or so, I have been trying to give my focus to other things, right? And I always recommend, no matter what you're going through in life, to always turn back to the Bible, always turn back to the scripture. And especially for me, you know, suffering from suffering from a mental illness breakdown, I think it's super important to get back into the word, right? So I have been hearing over the last couple of days, over and over, you know, uh, Queen Esther, Queen Esther, the season of Queen Esther. And I just want to touch on the story a little bit. So the chapter of Esther in the scripture is all about a kingdom, right? It's about a Persian kingdom who had rulership over the Jews at the time, and, you know, some many other people. Now, within this kingdom, and mind you, it was a very, very rich kingdom, like, top of the top. Within this kingdom, there was obviously a king and his queen, and the queen was Queen Vashti. Now, at that time, it was said and known very well protocol that the queen was to follow all the instructions and rules of her husband. Well, Queen Vashti has a pretty bad reputation. You know, a lot of speculation around her name, a lot of speculation around uh, what she had been doing to the Jewish women at the time. But to be honest, I've never seen any of those things in the scriptures about her. I feel like I would have remembered that. What Queen Vashti did was she refused to be a trophy wife for her husband, the king at the time. Because at the time, according to like reading scriptures and watching movies about the topic, it seemed like King Xerxes was really more so concerned with his friends. He was more so concerned with his friends, with the royal court, with people who you know, we're trying to make him perpetuate the sins of his father, right? To be just overindulgent, um, greedy, quick to quick to war, quick quick for wrath. And he would do it, even though like he didn't really feel, you know, like it was for him or, you know, that he had to do these things. It's like because he was so afraid of what his friends would think, he would do these things to just to stay down right like come on how much of us know people like that people who are 
genuinely good people, but they do bad things because they want to be down. They want to belong. Even if they're the king, even if they're the queen, even even if they're the, the top boss, it's like they'll go along with something, even though it's wrong, just to be a part of something. Well, I believe that King Xerxes was suffering from peer pressure. And one night in particular, he had a feast, right? A big, huge feast. I mean, it was libations and everything at this feast. Liquor, uh, what else? Liquor, gold, gold thrones to sit on. Like, just just all kinds of fire stuff. The scripture says that in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, right? So his team, his right-hand man. The military leaders, the princes, and the nobles of the provinces were present. So that was his, all his men's pretty much, right? And as they were drinking and partying and everything, his friends noticed that his wife, the queen, wasn't present. But she was at her own banquet. Usually, according to the scriptures, it seemed like it seemed like the queen would give a banquet for the women, and the king would give a banquet for you know his men's. But for some reason, in particular. His friends kept trying to like peer pressure him for his wife to appear. And it seems like they wanted her to appear naked before them, um, you know, wearing solely just the crown, right? So just to objectify her. And so many times, especially on my podcast where I talk about, you know, a lot of our chosen men who either don't know that they're chosen or God is calling them for a particular purpose, but they are so vain. They only care about beauty. They only care about a woman's body, a woman's skin color, a woman's hair. They don't really see the value of a woman. They don't really see. Um, they don't really see that woman's abilities, that woman's gifts, her purpose. They just see her as arm candy, right? Like, I'll go home. I'll, you know, I'll go to work. I'll make all the money. I come home, and you are to just be my object. You know, just be subject to objectification pretty much well this night in particular queen Vashti just wasn't with it she was like no i'm not i'm not going no and she knew she very much so knew the rules she knew that if she said no or that she disobeyed him um that he wouldn't you know he would have to deal with her because whatever the kings and queens was doing is whatever people in the land was doing so to have your wife be disobedient was just a no-no so he had to punish her so anyway she stood up for herself she said hell no I'm not going and uh the next day the king got rid of her right he got rid of her and she again according to scripture and according to a lot of uh, texts and stuff like that she proudly went away because at the end of the day she was the great-granddaughter of king Nebuchadnezzar if I'm right or if I'm right or wrong so I do believe that she does she does come from dignity she does come from her own set of royalty she wasn't just solely his queen she was a queen within her own right right within her own divine lineage anyways god is not mentioned in the book of esther at all and that's one of the most like literally (laughs) literally is one of the most valuable things about the whole book of esther like it, it even makes biblical scholars go like you know, but where's God? And, you know, why is this book here? And this and that. Well, to me, it's because God was in this entire thing. God was in this from the very beginning, from the throwing of the banquet to Vashti, you know, just finally being like, no, I refuse to be 
your your trophy wife. I refuse to be a little arm candy to to parade me around and make me feel like garbage. Like it, even there, that was God, right? That was God because at the end of the day, even though she disobeyed the king, to me she went out like a G. She went out like a straight G. She wasn't with it. She wasn't trying to be his little wife, you know what I mean, who was just known for doing whatever. Like she made her way. She was like she was a rebel, but a rebel for a cause, you know, a rebel for let's not objectify women anymore. Like, no, you're not going to do it to me. I'm going to stand up for all the women in this kingdom. Like, you know what I mean? So to, to some people, that would be horrible. But at the end of the day, I have a firm belief that that was God. Like, God could place a temper. Look, look at me. Look at my situation. God placed me under a severe mental confusion for even a reason that I still don't really know kind of but it was so severe that I was like debilitated right I think that God placed this rebellious spirit on Queen as on Queen Vashti because God had a reason that was bigger than what we all know right today anyways due to this now it left the opening for a queen now the king needs a queen so they did this whole scouting thing, looking up and down for a, for a virgin queen, who a virgin, excuse me, a virgin girl or woman who could be queen at the time for King Xerxes. Now they did a bunch of preparation. They they had them get you know they had them get fly with jewels and and, and rubies and gold and you know to dress them up and everything. Well. One of the women who were swept up in this search was a Hebrew woman, a Jewish woman, and her name was da-da-da. her name wasn't yet Esther. She had another name. Uh, let me see. I think it's Hadassah. Her name might have been Hadassah at the time, um, and I think she was from the tribe of Benjamin, which you know we talked about. Benjamin before but I think I have another I have another episode that I'm gonna go very much a little bit more in depth with the tribe of Benjamin anyways so she happens to get swept up in this right and her cousin Mordecai he happened to be one of the scribes for the for the for the the empire for the kingdom and that means that he was there he was at the banquet he knew what the king was looking for like he you know, he could just really, he could help her. He could help her because he had an inside look to what the king was looking for. Either way, they go through all these tests and trials and tribulations to see who the queen is going to be. In the end, the king chose, you know, queen, uh, he chose Hadessa. But Hadessa had to change her name because Hadessa apparently was a Jewish name. And obviously they weren't with it they weren't with having a jew as a queen because jews were heavily opposed at this time um by just a lot of different people but they were being taken care of again under the persian empire so the cousin her cousin mordecai was like listen you're gonna go undercover pretty much you're gonna say that your name is esther and you know what i mean like we're just gonna see what's up well again even though god was not mentioned God was all within this because she ended up being chosen. And out of all the women, she was like the most beautiful, but did the least. Like she wore the least jewelry. She 
You know what I mean? She she decorated herself in the least things. And to the other women, it would be like, oh, you know, like, why would he choose you? You don't have, like, for example, today, it would be like, you don't have your body done. You don't have your breasts done. You don't have your butt done. Like, so why would he choose you? But he chose her because he, he saw her heart. He saw that, he saw the value in her lineage just by the way that she presented herself right like she was a woman of her word she was kind she was gentle she had the fruit of the spirit and that was something that the king just wasn't used to so he chose her he chose her to be his wife and she had became queen esther again god is not mentioned in this and if anything technically there was some lies and deception right with her you know kind of like not revealing her nationality and her family background that would technically be a lie right but at the end of the day sometimes god allows things because it just needs to be allowed at that time it needs to be done at that time for a reason and sometimes we just need to follow along with what god is telling us because you just don't know what big huge thing god might be setting us up for so it came to be that after she did all her beauty, you know, her beauty treatments and everything or whatever, it was it was legit. He chose her. They got married. It was big, you know. And throughout the time, she continuously sought counsel from Mordecai, her cousin, because, like I said, he was the right hand man of the king, you know, kind of, because he was working at the kingdom. He was working as a scribe, so he knew what was up. And anyways. He also had a very, very divine gift. Like his gift was that he just always knew what was going on, some way, shape, or form. So he he was the one who discovered that the king was being set up by his own people, right? This Jewish this Jewish man, Mordecai, is discovering this conspiracy against the king, which again was his own people. These were Persians, right? These are Persians who were trying to kill the king. And he happened to tell he happened to tell um, Esther, right? And she turned it in and she reported it to the to the king and come to find out it was right. They were right. They really did plot on the king and they saved him, right? So that's kind of how Mordecai got put on to being a part of the royal court because of this, this blessing. It's like, it's like God was strategically placing... Hadessa and Mordecai where they needed to be but again this was just done by divine guidance by divine intervention it wasn't something that like they plotted they never plotted none of this they never plotted for for the queen to disobey her husband nothing like that so anyways um the king's actual right hand man at this time was a person who just hated Jews like he had a vengeance with Jews that was like centuries old and he really wanted to like take them out because apparently the Jews were given a command to take out his people many many years ago but it was because they were so evil technically he wasn't supposed to have survived he wasn't supposed to have survived either somehow uh the one queen of that kingdom at the time that God ordered them to be destroyed she survived she gave birth to um you know more and more people and somehow he ended up stemming from I think his name was Haman he ended up being you know positioned at the same time that all these others that these Jews are being positioned in the royalty he was in the royalty as well this might be confusing I hope I hope it's not so 
Mordecai refused to honor Haman. He refused it because Mordecai just already felt his vibe. Like, he already knew, you know, this this guy, like, he's just, he's just wicked. You know what I'm saying? He, he was wicked. And Haman was like, oh, word, you're not going to obey me. You're not going to kneel when I say kneel. You're not going to do what I want him to do. Well, Mordecai said no. So Haman came up with this idea that he just was going to kill Mordecai and kill all the Jews altogether because he was going to try to flip it and make it look like if they was the ones that was plotting on the king. But really, it was him. He just kept getting away with it. But I think sometimes when people get away with bad things, like it's like the more and more that they get away with, it's like the bigger and bigger that the grave or trap that they set for themselves that God is going to allow them to fall in. Because technically, the first plot, Haman had something to do with it. He just happened to get away with it. But it's like God was going to build evil people up. He's going to build them up so, so, so high. Like put them on really a high pinnacle so that when they fall, is a big, huge fall that everybody sees, right? It's not like let's say us chosen ones who where we we get into a situation and we fall it's like the only people who will really see is the people closest to you right because we usually keep very humble positions but the moment that we let our pride our ego or evilness take over us god allows allows for us to be built up real high just for the fall from grace to be massive so anyways um yeah, so now Haman, right, who again is the right man here to the to the king, is plotting to kill the king to take over the empire. Um, that was the first that was the first plot from the jump. But now that Mordecai is like, nah, I'm not bowing down to you, I only bow down to the most high God. This King Haman is now getting more and more ideas now, right? Like he's like, well, you know what? I don't have to wait until I'm king to take out these Jews. I could just take out these Jews now. So he's just like, just always plotting and stuff. So anyways, at this point, Mordecai, again, finds out all the tea. He goes back to Esther. He's like, listen, you have to help. You have to help the Jews. You have to You have to speak up for us. You know, like, yes, I know that we, you know, I told you to, to not say that you was a Jew and stuff like that, you know, but now is the time because now the Jews are in danger. So, anyways, Esther speaks up, right? She speaks up for for the Jews, and um, this is this is actually what Mordecai tells her. I think this is Esther four verse verse twelve. When Esther when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer: Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the, for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but what you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So pretty much Mordecai had to tell her, like, listen. Yes, like I said, you know, we, we plotted this and stuff. But this whole thing was just solely based off of there's going to be a time where you have to save us, where you have to speak up for us. And like I said, beginning in the beginning, she does do that. She says, 
when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish, right? So she's like, all right, you know what? You're right. I did probably get here. <laughs> I did probably get here for a reason. And, you know, I feel like God is calling me. Mind you, God never speaks to Esther, Mordecai, Haman, King Xerxes. He never speaks to anybody, but everybody is just moving based off their heart, moving based off of divine wisdom. Again, divine intervention. So Esther goes before the king and she's like, hey, listen, you know, let's let's get it together with Haman. Esther throws a feast, right, for Haman, her king, and herself, and pretty much she gives the petition, right? She's like, listen, <laughs> um, here's, here's the truth about myself, you know, here is Haman's low-key true colors, and of course, there's definitely more to the story, but I kind of just want to get to the nitty gritty. Somehow, um, somehow it gets to the point to where in Esther 7, verse 3, Esther says, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition, and spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have just kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. So then King Xerxes is like, well, what's going on? Like, you know, who who is who said that? Who said that we were going to do that? She goes, well, an adversary, an enemy, your man's Haman, Right. So at this point, Haman got tight, you know, storms out, like, because he's there, he already knows, you know what I'm saying? Plotting to do stuff behind the king's back is treason, right? So um, then I think at this point, the king had got up, right? He got up and he went to go take a walk because he was just pissed off with just knowing everything. But because Haman knows, like, oh, wait, this girl just blew me up, he, he, like, goes to, I don't know if, I don't know if he wants to touch her or do something to her, but anyways, at this point, the king was just pissed off, just with him, with the situation, and the king was like, you know what, that's it, we gotta take this nigga Haman out. So, Haman dies, and in the end, Esther, because she, you know, was brave, she was brave and like I said God positioned her because eventually there would come a time where she would have to stand up for her people and she sure did uh, a law was decreed to protect the Jews to protect them while they were under the care of the Persians and that is how Esther saved her people right but again God was not mentioned anywhere in the story. And that is so important because there's a lot of the times where we're on our journeys and we're like, you know, where is God? I don't hear God. I don't see God. So for example, for me, the last 30 days or so when I was going through psychosis and I didn't even realize it, I was 
of course, solely looking for God. I was looking for God in everywhere and everything, but God was just quiet. Like God was real, real, real quiet. And I guess it got to the point where I was starting to lose control that finally God had spoke, but it had been a very long time that God spoke, that God gave me guidance or anything like that because I felt that God was trusting that I would just take the right steps. God was trusting that the justice that he instilled within me would push me to do what's right, would push me to stand up for myself and technically for the other people who were suffering through the same things that I was suffering through. It's like not all the time is God always going to be present. God is not always going to be present in your life. God is not always going to be loud in your life. God is trying to see if you've learned all that all that you was shown and and tested and tried through all this time. Right? So when God is quiet in your life, I feel like that's your that's like your final. That's the final. And when you pass the final, that's when you get your reward. You get your blessings, you get your peace of mind, you get your sanity back. You get whatever you lost, you get it back. But it's a test. It's a test to see if you are truly righteous, if you are truly who you say you are. If if God, quote unquote, turns his back on you, are you still the person who you said? Are you still a, a promise keeper? Are you still someone who is who is holy and divine? Because a lot of people think like when God is not doing what they want them to do or or God is not speaking or showing them which way to go, a lot of people would turn to stuff, stuff that's bad, to stuff that's negative. Like I said, for me, I missed, through, through my psychosis, I missed a lot of important feasts, right? And, and, and days where I didn't, I just, I still don't understand, you know? I still don't understand, but it's like I, God trusted that I would make the right call, even though I didn't want to, even though I was very uncomfortable, even though I, I knew, you know what I'm saying? That this might, this might end things, this might ruin things, it's like, God was showing me, like, listen, you need to take charge now. You need to be in the driver's seat. I can't, you know, there's no reason for me to intervene after all that I've I've showed you, all that I taught you, you know? Like, if you're not feeling well, if you're not feeling up to par, then why would you want to stand front and center or something, you know? Why would you want to put yourself out on display like that for you to be a, a laughing stock or make a mockery out of yourself, like... You know, use use your judgment, use your discernment. Hello, like I taught you all these years, all this time, right? It's the same thing for you in your situation. Like, just because God is quiet, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care or that he is just, you know, abandoning you or nothing like that. Sometimes it just solely means that God is ready to see if you did the work, if you're ready, if you're ready to rise to the occasion. Because like I said, in all the other books that I've read, it's very rare that God doesn't speak, that God doesn't intervene. But really, God was intervening the whole time, but low-key through the hearts of his people, through the hearts of those who, again, had been trained, raised, uh, cultivated by his strength, by his words, and, and raised off the fruit of the Spirit. So, you know, a lot of us, again, are, again, in our Esther seasons, right? I believe that chosen ones are, are supposed to be very powerful people. That's the only way for God's kingdom in heaven to really come down to earth. 
chosen ones need to be placed and positioned in places and industries where there are a lot of wicked people, people who have sold their souls or people who just disobey, right? Which, you know, kind of saying like, you know, Queen Vashti, because she didn't follow the, the orders, even though, like I said to me, she went out like a G, because she didn't follow the orders, it made a way for God's people to come through, right? Because when God's people are there, things are going to shake moves are moves are going to be made right like there's not going to be oh i'm just going to be quiet and tolerant of this bad stuff or this bad environment until i get caught or until someone says something no like god's people are really going to make the moves necessary whether they win or lose like when i was watching this esther movie one night with the king she says that you know she's like david going going against goliath right and her appearance to the king unsummoned could have definitely had got her killed right technically it was the same sin that queen vashti did but queen vashti did it solely based off herself like nah you're not going to make a mockery out of me you feel me so no i'm not going to follow your command but when queen esther did it it was like yes i know i'm not supposed to do this however people are at danger you know what i'm saying and if the king would have been again such a follower such a, a weak king that's why that's why i like the cool king xerxes um during this time and esther because he was very weak always listening to friends listening to what people are telling him and even though they, they was his right hand man people who fought in the war and battle with him they really didn't know him for him they knew him for his father they knew him for this this almost savage-like person that his father was and was trying to make him perpetuate the sins of his father, right? So he was just doing whatever they said. And that's why, yes, even though Esther did break the protocol of seeing a king, seeing the king on summon, she had to because it would have been unforgivable. He probably would have lost his entire empire if she didn't say, hey, something is wrong here. Here's this damn traitor right under your nose that you're not even realizing because you're letting all this power and stuff just go to your head. They're they're telling you whatever they, whatever you want to hear. They're they're you know they're doing just whatever just to get you to make kind of like a fool out of yourself, and you're not noticing. You're not seeing it because your head is too high in the clouds. So again, even though it was almost perpetuating the same exact sin that the other wife did, it was like no. This time, here's the proof, right? Here's the concrete. Here's here's the fact that not only I will perish, but so will all the Jews who you have under your care. They will all perish and God will curse you. God will curse your land. God will curse your kingdom. God will curse your, your royal court, everything, if you let this happen. So that's why to me, Esther is definitely one of the most beautiful stories. And again, I firmly believe that chosen women should definitely get very familiar with you know, Esther, because I feel like not all the time is God going to give you another chosen one per se, right? You might not get another, it might not be two people from Jewish or Hebrew lineage that come together. Sometimes you might be given to a king of another land, but it might be to actually save your people, right? So don't be too discouraged if God is trying to show you someone else, some someone from somewhere else, or someone who, again, is a king of a foreign land that is not of your father. Like, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because that's God positioning you. 
literally that's God positioning you to maybe one day save your to save your people to save your land to save your father's tribe so that has been my that has been this episode <laughs> on um, Queen Esther and I hope you guys enjoyed it it probably was really super confusing I'm still kind of trying to get myself back and you know from where I was but I did want to come up with this message because I did feel super inspired by it so I love you all and until next time